All right, let us hear the Word of God that we're going to be considering this morning. 1 Corinthians 16, 21. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Thanks be to God, indeed. <laughs> so, um, usually, I've, I've, I've done a certain amount of preaching. Uh, usually the preaching that I do is, is either in Lutheran or Episcopal churches. And the way they tend to operate is they've got a lectionary. They've got a set schedule of, of chunks of readings that you read at various points. Um, that, uh, obviously, we, do, we don't work that way here. Um, and so when Jason asked me to preach, I said, sure, I'd, I'd love to, to come and, and preach. What's my text? And he said, oh, it's, it's, that, it's that bit at the end of 1 Corinthians uh, where Paul says, I, I write this with my own hand. I said, okay, great, no problem. So I start working on my sermon, start praying and, and writing and thinking and stuff, and and I'm thinking, all right, um, let me just double check on this. And, and so I, I call Jason up and say, uh, so is it from that verse to the end? And he says, no, it's, it's that verse. And I said, what, you mean one verse? And he said, yeah. Yeah, you're just doing that one verse. Um, so, you know, normally I'm, I'm used to doing a, a chunk of text for 10 to 15 minutes. But today we get to do one verse for 30 minutes. So... We'll see how this goes. Uh, luckily, though, this is a great passage to spend a certain amount of time on because this one verse really does, once we dig into it, it's got a lot going on. And furthermore, it ties into a lot of what Paul has been doing throughout 1 Corinthians, as we'll see. So um, out of this one little verse this morning, I'd, I'd like to, to take out three points in particular. The first one, uh, what this verse tells us is, is that Paul didn't write this letter, and, and that's a good thing. That's the first point. Paul didn't write this letter, and that's a good thing. The second point is the fact that Paul didn't write this letter reminds us of the shape of the Christian community that this whole letter of 1 Corinthians is wrestling with. So it, it reminds us of the shape of the Christian community. Uh, and, and last, this fact reinforces for us the shape of the Christian community that we live in now. All right, so it's reinforcing for us the shape of the community that we live in now. So first off, um, Paul didn't write this letter, and that's a good thing. So we often, when we look at the letters of Paul, we'll see certain characteristics, things that we've seen before. Now, if I remember right, you guys, have, you've gone through Romans now, and, and, and now you're, you're through the, almost the end of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Romans doesn't have a line like this at the end of it, but many of Paul's other letters do. So, uh, if you look at the end of Galatians, if you look at the end of uh, Colossians, 2 Thessalonians, Philemon, you'll get a line like this, something to the effect of, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Right? And that's important. You don't see it in Romans, for one reason, because they didn't know him and he didn't know them personally. Because remember, Romans was a letter of introduction. This is Paul saying, hi, I'm Paul. Um, I've got a lot of friends who know you. Um, we got a lot of connections. Uh, I'd like to come and visit. This is what I believe. This is where I stand on things. But they don't know him personally. These other churches he's writing to, they do. They know Paul, they know what he's like, they know what his handwriting looks like. 
And so that's why he'll include that tagline, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Now, why is that important? The reason why this is important, our, our best information on this comes from that little tagline at the end of Galatians. Because in Galatians, Paul says, look at what large letters I use when I write with my own hand. Right? Now, the thing about Paul is, is we know that Paul was wrestling with an affliction. He, he, he had, had something wrong with him. Uh, in 2 Corinthians um, 10.17, he talks about the thorn in the flesh, or 12.17. He says, I've, I've got this thorn in the flesh, and I've prayed three times uh, for it to be taken from me. Um, but God has not seen fit to do that for, for furthering his own glory. Um, and so when we, we take these things together and think about the book of Acts, how Paul is struck blind and is blind for three days in Damascus uh, and, until he receives healing, um, it seems quite likely Paul himself had an eye problem. And as a result, writing was going to be difficult for him. And, and so that's why this is a good thing that Paul isn't writing this, because if Paul himself were sitting down writing this, then whoever received it may not be able to read it, or it would use a lot more paper than it was going to use uh, with someone else at the helm. So what this verse reveals is that Paul didn't write the letter to the Corinthians. Someone else did. It's most likely Tertius. And we know who Tertius is because in that, in that section of Romans, um, there's even a verse that says, I, Tertius, who, are, who I'm writing this letter, send you greetings. So Tertius was one of Paul's letter writers. Um, what's, what's indisputable is that the voice of 1 Corinthians is Paul. This is Paul's mouth coming through someone else's hand even if it wasn't Paul's hand on the pen for most of it, except for this verse and, and the bits that follow. So even though we're working with Paul's voice, we need to be attentive to what else is going on around that voice, and that's where we get to our second point for today. Second point is the fact that Paul didn't write this letter reminds us of the shape of the Christian community, that this whole letter is wrestling with. So, um, communication in the ancient world, uh, in, in the time of Jesus, in the time of Paul, it, you had two big fundamental problems, right? One was literacy, the other one was language, right? So, we're, uh, literacy, literacy and language. Um, thing is, as, as we look across antiquity and, and, and this whole time period, only about 10% of the population could actually read. And so if you're dealing with communicating across the umpire, then that 10% number is going to be kind of a problem. The other issue that we've got is language. This, this was a worldwide, as far as they were concerned, empire across the whole of the Mediterranean. That's a lot of different languages. That's a lot of different people trying to talk to each other. Um, using a whole lot of different languages. So the way that, that they solved this was, was fairly neatly. They had scribes. They're trained professionals who were good with language, who were good with writing, that would solve all these problems for the people there. So an Egyptian peasant, right? He's sending grain to Rome. Um, he doesn't know Latin. The Roman official who's receiving grain certainly doesn't know Coptic. 
that's not a problem because the peasant just takes his sack of grain to the marketplace. He hires his scribe for a couple of coins.、Uh, he dictates a letter in Coptic. The scribe writes it down in Greek because Greek is the language of international trade and commerce. Had been ever since the time of Alexander the Great. And this is why our gospels and our letters are written in Koine Greek, because this was the language of commerce that everyone was using. So then they just tag that note onto the bag of grain. They'd ship it off to Rome. They'd get off the the boat at Ostia, and a, a scribe would pull it off and read it off in Latin to the Roman official standing there. So the scribes were the ones who were solving these problems of communication, of reading and writing, and that kind of thing.、Um, so even literate people. Would use scribes, and and again we know this because we have recovered a lot of letters from the ancient world, and many of them it'll it'll be written in one hand, except for the very end, and at the very end the writing will change, and it's clear someone else is writing it,、uh, and it's something just like what we have here in Paul. I you know take a guess I'm writing this, this is my signature,、um, and and so this is the way that that communication was done, in particular. When we're dealing with somebody like Paul, who's writing important letters, not just you know, here's a sack of grain that fulfills my my tax,、um, they would dictate it, and the scribe or amanuensis, it's the the, the five dollar word for it, would take a wax tablet, so a piece piece of board with wax on it, and and he would copy down, usually in shorthand, whatever was being said, and then once they finished up, they'd take a look at it and. Uh, go through the wax tablet, and once they decide that yeah, that's actually what they wanted to say, then they'd go for the expensive paper, the papyrus, and they'd copy it out in ink there, and then of course Paul or whomever would would write their name. And、uh, this is particularly important when we're dealing with somebody like Paul, because Paul was not only was he a, a well-trained scribe and Pharisee, he was also well-schooled in Greek rhetoric and, and grammar and, and all that. And we know this. Because you take a look at something like the、uh, first chapter of, of Ephesians, that whole chapter is one sentence.、Right? You're not just going to dictate that to a guy with a pen and a piece of paper. You're going to want to work on that a little bit.、Right? So this was common practice for Paul that, that he would dictate, and then the scribe would they, they get, get it all corrected, get it all worked out, and then it would be copied down onto onto the actual letter. But We're not just working with Paul and one other person. It's, it's not just Paul and Tertius.、Uh, there are presumably other people there working、uh, as he's going through this.、Um, most likely, Sosthenes is there. Remember Sosthenes?、Uh, so, it, it, very first verse of First Corinthians, First Corinthians one one. It's, it's, it's a greeting from Paul and Sosthenes.、Uh, so, he's a pretty important guy in the community. He's most likely there. Listening and, and maybe even helping out, maybe even chiming in on what Paul is doing here.、Um, not only that, this works because they've got a place to work. They've got money for the wax tablets, for the, the papyrus. They're going to copy it on. Not only that, we know Timothy is involved here because Timothy is is the one who's taking the letter from Ephesus, sticking it in his bag, and heading west. Because he's got to carry it all the way to Corinth. All right, we've actually got a whole lot of people involved in this letter. Maybe even Lois and Eunice wandering through, offering their advice. Remember that that's Timothy's mother and grandmother, who Paul calls out for their strong faith. 
So this letter isn't just Paul. This letter is a whole community. We, we get it from the mouth of Paul. We're hearing the voice of Paul. But we've got a whole community that's got its hands all over this letter. Not only that, you remember what kicks off 1 Corinthians? Well, why do we even have this book? It was Chloe's people who, who had these questions about what was going on in the church of Corinth. They, they had this list of, of sayings that, that they were a little concerned about, and so they brought to Paul. So this letter is even two, two different communities in conversation with one another. So here's one of the questions that this raises that makes us kind of wrestle with is if the community, if, if we've got two communities that, are, that have got their hands all over this letter, does this, what does this make us think about the idea of the inspiration of Holy Scripture, how the Holy Spirit is at work in the writing of this text. Now, when, when I was a child, I don't think anyone ever specifically taught this to me, but I kind of had this idea that there were a couple of guys, you know, Paul being one of them, and, and Paul would be like inspired for like four hours or so when he would write a letter, and then it would kind of be done, and you've got the letter. And, and that's, that's what I call kind of the, the mighty man of God model of inspiration. It's kind of, you know, Paul gets zapped for a bit, he, he writes, and then he's done and it stops. But that way of thinking is actually contrary to what Paul is saying in the rest of 1 Corinthians. Because Paul does a lot of talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works throughout this letter, and it's not about one guy getting zapped. So, The, again, the, the whole point of 1 Corinthians, what, what, what he's fussing with throughout this letter is about unity. It's about community. It's about overcoming the factions that had sprung up in the group. Because remember, there were those who said, oh, we're, we're Paul's people, or we're Apollos' people. Oh, no, we're Peter's people. And, and Paul's trying to say, no, no, we're Jesus' people, right? We're Jesus' people. We're, we're one group together. And, and the whole time, he's trying to bring them back towards unity. Um, so why, for instance, in chapter 6, does it matter what one guy is doing with a prostitute? Well, it matters because it's not just about one guy. Um, this is it's one of the biggest problems with the way that we tend to read uh, what I'd argue the most important verses in chapter 6. Uh, that's 19 and 20. Uh, that's where Paul writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So I, I did uh, a lot of my schooling work at Emory University, which is in Atlanta. Did my, my Master of Divinity work there. I did my uh, PhD in New Testament there. Um, and being in the South there, uh, as, I was, as I was working on my Greek and perfecting it and, and translating it all, uh, gave me a, a, some insight into the, the fact that our Bibles that we have here today 
are written in Northern American. Right? And, and, and this is a little bit of an issue for us with this verse and, and with really getting at what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians. Because Northern American has one word for you. Right? When I say you, it can mean you, or it can mean you. Koine Greek doesn't work like that. It's got two words for you. It's got one word for you, and it's got a different word for you plural. So there's, there's you singular, there, you one of you, and you plural. So uh, since we were at Emory, that meant that we were doing a lot of our translating work in Southern American, <laughs> which of course has three words for you. You know, because we've got you, and then we've got y'all, and then we've got all y'all. And, and so, you know, sometimes in our translation seminars, we would be working out, what do we think Paul was really trying to say here? Is he saying y'all or is he saying all y'all? Because it's, it's a difference of scope. Um, and so when we actually go back to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, and we translate it as Paul was writing it, as Paul was thinking it, this is what he's actually saying. Do y'all not know that all y'all's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within all y'all which y'all have from God. There's nothing individual about this. The, the Spirit doesn't just stop with one individual. It fills, it inspires the whole community. The whole community is bound up, and, and it is the temple when the community is gathered. So actually know that this idea that all these hands are, are touching this letter of 1 Corinthians, it, it doesn't only not contradict a doctrine of inspiration, it confirms exactly what Paul's been saying throughout this letter and, and the, the inspiration that Paul's been talking about this whole time. It's a call to unity. Um, again, he does this. He talks about this not just with, this, with the temple and the spirit. He talks about this when he's using his favorite metaphor of the body. What is the church? Well, it's like a body. You've got all sorts of different members, different parts that fulfill different functions, but they're bound together by the same spirit. They're all working in the same direction because it's the one spirit that animates them all. So, Paul is the voice of this letter. But it's the whole body of Christ gathered around him that is assisting and enabling him to produce this letter. So, that's how this one little verse reminds us of what it is that Paul has been saying this whole time about the structure of the Christian community. So, third point then. It reinforces the shape of the Christian community that we share now. The doctrine of the body of Christ and the parts within it is no less important today for us than it was for Paul and his people. The doctrine of the community as a communal temple of the Holy Spirit gathered is just as important now as it was then. Right? Remember, at, at, at the Feast of Pentecost, uh, when Acts is, is telling us about the Holy Spirit descending for the first time 
upon the crowd. What is it that Peter goes to? Peter's immediate go-to verse is drawing out of the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Yea, and on my men's servants and my maidservants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. It's, it's not just about male and female. It's, it's not about social class or social standing. It's, it's, it's everybody. It's everybody that God is pouring His Spirit on. All flesh. And as a result, what that means for us here now, it's not just the guy who stands up here. It's it's not just the, the people up there who are inspired with the Spirit. It's all of us. It's the whole community of faith. It's 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 all flesh within these walls. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means two things. First, you don't get to coast, right? You don't get to say, oh, I don't stand up there, so I don't have to take this thing seriously. Oh, I'm I'm not a preacher, so I don't have to read my Bible. I I don't have to have my ear out for the Spirit, because that's someone else's job. Someone else can can go ahead and, and do that for me. Yes? We are different parts of the body. We perform different functions in the household of faith. But, as Paul says, the same spirit animates and binds together the whole body. That's that's like the liver saying, you know what? I'm tired of blood. You you know, I'm not really feeling blood today. You can let the heart do that. Blood's kind of his thing. In the long term, that's not going to go very well for the liver. Just like it's not going to go very well for us if we are not playing our role in in listening for the words of the Spirit. Second thing it means is that the Spirit speaks most fully when it speaks through a whole community. And when the whole community is engaged in the work of listening for the words of the Spirit in a passage about the Spirit that we should all keep in the forefront of our minds. Uh, 1 John 4.1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are of God. Now, these verbs here, do not believe, test, do you think they're talking to one person or to everybody? They're talking to all y'all. Yes, indeed. This is, this is not a job for an individual. This is a job for a community. Right? Because inspiring is not just in the writing of the word. Inspiring is in the reading of the word and in the living of the word. It's about communities listening together through their reading of Scripture, through their experiences of the power of God in their lives, through the Holy Spirit acting in them and on them, moving us to live out the love of God in and through our neighbors. Because, I mean, that's what this is about anyways, right? It's about listening for the Spirit. It's it's about being built up as a whole community so that the whole body of Christ can be brought to maturity to love 
and serve the world that God so desperately loves? That's what we're looking for. That's what we're working towards. That's what this one little verse out of 1 Corinthians reminds us. That the work of the work of the Spirit, the work of the people of God, is, is, is not in one man's handwriting. It's in the whole body of Christ, learning and living and loving. So that's where we are today. This one little verse reminds us that, that Paul didn't write this letter and that that's probably a good thing. The fact that Paul didn't write it reminds us of the shape of the Christian community that all of 1 Corinthians is wrestling with. And it reinforces for us the shape of Christian community that we share now and that we live in. Let's have a word of prayer. Almighty God, You who breathe Your Spirit on us and in us, Inspire our minds, our hearts, our hands, and our feet that we might live and love together for your name, in your name, and for your glory. We ask this as all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.